All right, everyone. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Ty, the Spirit Messenger. She's on my healing team. She is such an extraordinary person with an extraordinary gift. And my favorite thing about her is how committed she is to helping people to be their own guru. So without further ado, here is Ty, the Spirit Messenger. Welcome to the Affiliate Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this podcast, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll get to witness healings as well as hear from my mentors, teachers, and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for the last 14 years. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. So this is Ty, and we are going to be talking about intuition and manifestation and her journey to becoming a healer. She's had an amazing journey. I have followed it for probably the last two, two and a half years. And I really respect the work that you do. I think you're really talented. I think you're very Mm -hmm. passionate. I love the transformation that you can bring and your connection with spirit. But I also just love your solid connection with angels. So yeah, your A-team, you call them, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we were just talking about how she has a um, energy signature that she was, I guess, your guides were telling you about. Yeah, I've really been focusing on like my own frequency lately uh, because I end up being kind of like the conduit or creating container for people or I'm like the buoy, like I keep the buoyancy for them as they go through a transformation. And so the divine was showing me the other night because we're unveiling some other stuff that I'm offering. I was shown that I've been given or unlocked or have access to my own signature coding that I can now basically like offer as a download or a frequency shift to other people. And it literally looks like a honeycomb. Awesome. So the thing that I I just discovered recently was around Mm -hmm. honey is that if you take honey and you like, it could be any kind of honey. This honey was actually from Costco, which is actually one of my favorite places (laughs) because out here they have lots of they have lots of organic stuff. I can go. Not a lot of sensitive people can go to Costco. Um, I can stay focused. I can find what I need and I love it. It's like, it just fills my soul. My son loves to go with me and uh, it's like our little place to go. But anyway, so the honey that we have is the organic honey that they have. And I just put it on a plate and then what you do is so it like, it spreads out. Right. And then Mm -hmm. you take a little bit of water and you put it on the top of it. I actually don't take a plate, take a bowl, a large bowl, because the plate didn't look as good as the bowl. So you take the large bowl, you put a little bit of cold water and then you swish it around and you want to know what happens. The honeycomb structure comes through. Like no joke. You see the honeycomb structure, the original honeycomb structure that it had. So it has a memory from where it came from, even though it probably was processed with a lot of other honeycombs or maybe like, I don't know, in a factory, a large factory. It's not like it was like delicately processed. I'm sure if, especially if it's coming from Costco, I'm not trying to offend Costco or anything. (laughs) 
Uh, first your friends now you're not not. (laughs) but what I'm saying is like it was amazing how it had that memory so like we talk about that with energy right like we have this energy signature that we come with Mm -hmm. and then it'll get muddled right and then if we if we do the energy work we clear out the programs we all we get this honeycomb crystal clear structure right and then it just comes through from the original imprint talking about the honey and it was just amazing that you can just clear it up that quickly um, and there's that. no resistance. And I just, I was like, whoa, that's really cool. Thank you for sharing that with me. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to check that out. You know, um, one of the first things I ever studied was Masaru Emoto's messages yes. from water. And, you know, my son is graduating this year, but when he was seven, that was his, I think, fifth grade, sixth grade science fair project. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I wanted to do that with my son in kindergarten, but we didn't have enough time. Yeah. So what I did is I kind of blended Masaru Emoto's theory or suggestion around the messages in water. And then I wanted to adapt it into some stuff that I had received in a healing download, which is that the angels were kind of like flirt, wanting us to flirt with the concept that not only can the environment or the words change the shape of the Uh, water molecule or crystals, but it can also change the actual texture and flavor. So what we we did in our little controlled study for his science, totally pushed by mom. So I have to confess, I was a parent that did a large portion of my son's (laughs) science fair project. Um, So we had a church with like over a hundred people. We had three different containers of water. One spent a week at a biker bar. Uh, Another one spent a week in a church sanctuary. And the other one was just in a controlled environment with no influence. And And where was that? My apartment. Excuse me, but I'm a scientist by nature. I need to know where the control was. (laughs) So if it's in your apartment, it wasn't exactly in a controlled environment, but that's cool. Okay. I didn't put any intent. There wasn't anything intentional. I kind of just put it in a space where it was safe and kind of absent from any intention. Right. Um, right. And that's all that that matters. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when we did the taste testing at the church, we set out three different rows and there was a significant difference. They thought the one from the church was either sweetened or carbonated. The one from the bar they couldn't even swallow or they thought it was like just tap water. And all of these were unopened jugs of, I think like spring water from the same manufacturer and everything. And then the one from my closet, they were just kind of indifferent about. So it was really, really interesting. Definitely they noticed the difference. Yeah. So I'm just going to remind the listeners, it's called the Emoto um, experiment. You can read more about it. That was Ty's experiment, but it's very similar results, you know, in that the, the water structure changes based on what you're thinking. And, and the idea is like, we're made up of water. So mm-hmm. hello, like if our energy is off, you know, it's creating right. a different structure within our body. So that, that's a point of it, but that was really cool. So what did his school think of it? Well, you know, I didn't go with him when he had to present the whole project. <laughs> I just helped him do the study and we, you know, we collected the data and then he went and submitted it. We weren't one of the finalists in the in the science that is not cool (laughs) (laughs) i think there's a probably a bigger stage for noah sometime later he's actually the one that opened me up to all i wouldn't know anything about angels if it wasn't for Noah. well he is a really special guy do you want to tell about his recent journey that he was on sure i don't mind um we are thankfully celebrating his recovery from cancer 
our family got a phone call last March. Yeah. That he had a mass in his chest. We thought he had had the flu or he had tested positive for strep. He had tested positive for his flu and he was being treated for bronchitis. Um, he's very active in a show choir. So singing and dancing and competing and traveling over a multi-state area every weekend. So when he was losing weight and really tired, people just chalked it up to the crud that goes around that time of year and yeah. in his performing. But after the last performance of the season, he kind of just collapsed and, when he got his dad got him to the hospital, they said, it's a good thing you got him here. He only had about 48 hours Holy left. Molly. So he went straight from diagnosis to treatment all in a very like few couple days mm. time. The, the only treatment for Hodgkin's lymphoma that he was diagnosed with stage two, thankfully. So it was just located in one area, but the mass went clear around both lungs and his heart. So it was really big. Holy man. One wow. really big. And they say that that could have been there, like started about six months prior. Um, but this grows really quickly. The great thing is, is I guess I didn't know anything about cancers. Our, my children have been exceptionally healthy. I have three boys. Noah's the youngest. No broken bones. A little stitch here. A little blue there. But mm-hmm. we had no, no health problems, thank God. So this was a a huge backflip for me to learn about, you know, blood cells in the body and, and all this stuff. So um, he did not handle chemo very well. The hospital gave us this, you know, spiel that you'll be in and out. You can do your chemo through outpatient. And, you know, we thought his body was allergic to cancer and then it was really allergic to chemo. So um, we spent a lot of time in ICU and we spent a lot of time with him being admitted in a hospital, but by the grace of God and him following the protocol, we reached the, he did the ring and the bell and the dash after radiation in August. And he's got a full head of hair and eyebrows again and back on stage singing and dancing right now as if it never happened. Yeah. He looks amazing. Yeah. I've seen his senior portrait. It's beautiful. Yeah. We all like, so he's in a different state than I am. When we get on calls with each other, we're all just mind blown. It was like a storm that blew in our life and out. So he'll need monitors monitored throughout the years. There is a portion of the mass that's still there. They won't remove it, uh, but it's now a fist size where it was almost a kite across his chest. Um, And so it doesn't interfere with anything at this point. And they just check him every three months. He gets a lot of pictures taken, you know, and he was a trooper through the whole thing. He couldn't be put under anesthesia. And so he had to be awake for a lot of very invasive procedures where they did biopsies on that mass. Right through that. Um, And I taught him some of the breathing techniques the from Lamaze, I did childbirth naturally three times. So wow, he, you rock. Thanks. <laughs> He's the one that got my, um, my tolerance for pain. Thank goodness. And so even his brothers were like, dude, I don't know how you're doing that. Um, so he, he came through it. And I think that's why the, the symptoms went on for so long too. He wasn't actually sharing how uncomfortable and, and how disturbed all of his systems were. He's back at it and he knows what to watch for now. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, he is a brave guy um, and it's not easy getting something like that handed to you when you're, what was he, 16, 17? 16, 17 now. Yeah. yeah. I tell you what, I broke my lower back when I was 16 and it was life-changing. Um, yeah. And so I was um, out of school for nine months and it took two years to recover physically from it. 
And um, it really was one of the best things that ever happened to me. It's hard to believe it. Yeah. But it really, it set me off in a different path. You know, I started trusting my body. I started realizing that I was like the person that was in charge of my body and not necessarily Mm. the doctors because they didn't really understand what was wrong with me. And I would tell them what I needed and what was wrong. And and then I healed my back actually um, better than the ever could have expected. Um, wow. In fact, the radiologist called my doctor and said, this couldn't possibly be the same person. So wow. yeah, so visualization and patience and um, just not really accepting no, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I just was like, no, that's not my story. I can't have that be my story. And it really did mm-hmm. change my life. I mean, I really dove into my studies. I, I changed my identity about who I believed I was. Because a lot of people in school thought I was like this dumb jock because I was really into sports and I had blonde hair and I asked funny questions because I read energy and I, you know, like, (laughs) they were like, oh, she's weird. So it was nice to actually pull out of that, you know, and and be able to like be like, oh my God, I really love chemistry and it's really easy for me. And other things that I didn't really know that were a passion of mine, which Mm. turned out to be science. So anyway, I was just want to say that, you know, 16, 17 years old seems to be this like kind of weird age for transformation for people. For a pivot. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that story. So before he got diagnosed with cancer, he had, he was talking to a recruiter about enlisting into the military after graduation. And I'm pretty sure that this event has either postponed that years or he won't be eligible to serve. So I don't necessarily think that his personality is the right fit for the military, but that's me. Um, I see a very different side of him than he kind of shows up to the rest of the world. So we'll see. It's really between him and God. But that was the biggest question that he was asked by every nurse, every doctor was, what grade are you in and what are you doing after graduation? And it was very bothersome for him to know that the trajectory of his life changed into this big question mark. And he still kind of doesn't have an answer right now, but yeah, and I didn't either because my soccer career was taken away from me, wow. um, which I had assumed would be part of the rest of my life or, you know, wow. for as, long as I could. So I was, I was taken out of that for two and a half years. So that in that process, I, I learned more about myself and, and figured out how to like relate to the world without having a, a soccer ball at my feet. <laughs> Amazing. What was that like? Uh, I know a lot of people who think that intuitives, you know, have it all in easy, you know, going through a situation like that, we are almost just as blind sometimes to what is to happen or whatever, because it's not our job to always know or be able to heal, you know, the people that we love. We want to, but we can't always. So what was that like for you? I actually got the message from God the night before the diagnosis that he had cancer and he said, I'm going to need some time, some time with him. God said he needed some time. More time, yeah. And um, he said we had a long road ahead, but that if Noah chose, he had many more years that he would be on this earth as Noah. But he made it very clear that it would be Noah's choice. That's what the uncomfortable position was for me is is being a mom of a 16-year-old. I was primary caretaker and decision maker for all of these kind of life or death choices that we end up having to make because his body was crashing and crashing. And we ended up deciding to relocate him after his first dose of chemo. Um, he lost 30 pounds and was emaciated and nearly comatose. And I just called it and was like, I'm not, we're not staying here. We're going to the best pediatric oncology hospital in the country. And that's what we did. So um, I was fighting for him. I was making sure that the right staff was available. But at the end of the day, it was really when his body went to crash, it was him that had to choose. And 
witnessing your child at death's door and knowing that they're old enough to make their own decision about whether or not they want to move forward and supporting them, no matter what that decision is, is hard. I can't even imagine. You are such a badass. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you did it. You really have to get to a place where you're like, I love you. Mm -hmm. You're okay with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay with whatever. Yeah. That spiritual journey, that's what we yeah. learn, right? You know, we learn yeah. that everything's exactly as it's supposed to be and, right. and you know, we can only be in charge of what we can be in charge of, which is us. Yeah. So that happened three times where we were kind of at that crossroads. And the second time I ended up in the chapel, I wheeled Noah down there and I went down to the chapel and I just prayed out loud. That's when I asked God that if it was by Noah's choice and the highest order of the divine that God showed Noah how to heal his body. Because Noah Noah was really reacting at that point as if this was happening to him and not like he had power and control to decide. And so as his organs were shutting down, he was just kind of like resigning. So there there was a, a crossroads there where I was trying to attempt to call forth the higher self of him, his higher knowing, and kind of like activate that into you know, is this a decision? Do you realize this is a choice? And is this a decision that you want to make? So there was me kind of showing up in that regard, just making it very clear to my son, you know, like this is your option. And, you know, you got to do what you feel is best for you. So he had his own moments and spells of, of questioning what his purpose is on this planet. Why is he here? Is this a battle worth fighting? So I had to like tow a steady line for him while he was in that wavering space. And he, you, I couldn't beg him to stay here for me. That wouldn't be enough. Right. That's not right. right. It's not fair. So I made sure I spent a little bit less time with him, not be overbearing, which you think a lot of moms would do the opposite (laughs) helicopter and try to keep them here. But that wasn't what I did. That wasn't what I was guided to do. And I didn't show up for my son as a healer at all that entire time. Wow. Well, I mean, giving him the space that is healing, right? Right. And letting go and saying, as much as I love you, this is your path. This is your choice. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I mean, my kid <laughs> didn't get off the bus yesterday and I panicked. <laughs> um, he he decided to convince the uh, cooking class teacher that he was supposed to be there. <laughs> and I went on a wild goose chase trying to find him. And I can't even imagine even a little, I mean, it was a little bit. I thought, oh my God, what happened? Like maybe I'll never see him again, you know? Yeah. And I can't even imagine what you went through for those months and months and months. It's over. No, and it turned it out great. I mean, yeah, he's doing, yeah. he's thriving and I can't wait for him to go to New York City and go to a show. Has he ever been to a show, like a Broadway show? No. Oh my God. He's, he's never gonna, been to New York City. Oh my God. He's going to love always it. pretty much been a small town kid. Denver is probably one of the biggest cities he's ever been to besides Cincinnati. We spent a lot of time in Cincinnati. If you need to know where the best... Um, oncology pediatric pl- <laughs> hospital is is in Cincinnati. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> thank you yeah. for sharing that. That is sure. very sure. difficult situation to be in, and and thank you. So he was the one that kind of sparked my intuition, I guess you could say. He he was a kid that used to play by himself and talk to himself, and we just <laughs> we just let him do that. And um, when he got to be like six or seven. He started telling me about 
this lady visiting him and she called herself his grandma and she had rubbed his back. And I showed him a picture of his grandma and she said, no, that's not her. So then I didn't know who this lady was. And then I finally came across a picture of his grandmother when she was about 30 something. And he said, mom, who's this? And I said, that's your grandma when she was a lot younger. He was like, that's the lady that comes and says goodnight to me. So it was really interesting to have him and, um, he would have premonitions and explaining that to me because I didn't really understand it. I wasn't spiritually knowledgeable at all. So the more he was communicating things to me, I'm like, Noah, how long has that this been going on? And he was like, the whole time. I'm like, why didn't you tell me before now? And he's like, I thought you knew. And I was like, how was I supposed to know? And he's like, you're my mom. Like the handbook was dropped off when he was and it wasn't like I didn't know. <laughs> So um, he and I had a lot of like language trying to sort all that out. So I took him, I have like one woo-woo aunt and I took him to like my woo-woo aunt and I was like, I will pay you to teach him. And she was like, that's not me. And here I am a daycare director at the time. I'm like, well, who teaches kids about this stuff? That's when I realized like God's pointing at me and I didn't know anything about this stuff. So I put a set of headphones on him one day with like a Lisa Beachy guided meditation on, on YouTube about meeting your guardian angels. Cause I figured if this stuff is, there's any reality to it. I wanted my son in the safest hands possible. If he's going through this space that I can't see and I don't understand, I can't protect him from, I'm like, if there's an angel and he's got one, then surely she can protect him in places and spaces that I can't be there for him. And I, I put those headphones on him, I sat next to him and watched him. And I had done the guided meditation myself and I didn't see anything, but <laughs> there he was moving his little hands when she offered him a gift and he held it to his heart and came out and he was crying. And I was like, what just happened? And he said, I met my two guardian angels and angel Holy and Angelica, moly. they're twins. And they told me to always stay in the light and always follow in the light and that they would protect me. So then I, I was, you know, I have three boys and that was the youngest. So we tried that <laughs> trick on the next one too. And <laughs> I love it. My oldest was 16 at the time and was getting ready to take his ASVAB for the military. So I couldn't get him to put the headset on. And, and do it. He was like, that's not me. And he's, yeah, he's just totally different character. But Jacob, my middle son, he met his guardian angel, Hannah, with the same guided meditation. So I just thought I had these really spiritual kids. And it wasn't until my life went through crisis that I started picking up on stuff too. You know, you and I kind of talked about the possibility of talking about like closeted stuff. So obviously, I was thinking about some of the behavior that I had before 2012 because that's when my kind of, <laughs> I always consider it like when you crack a nutshell, that's kind of what 2012 feels like to me because everything that I had going on, it was like, and everything changed. It was almost like Dorothy in, in the Wizard of Oz. So would you call it your dark night? Like how people, I, I know that pivotal point. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So I was using drugs and alcohol and nobody knew it to like an unsafe and unhealthy degree. But because I showed up every day for work, because I was going, I was going for a college degree. I had three boys I was taking care of. I, it was kind of like in this functioning ish zone and nobody, I told myself that nobody knew, but once I started like 
getting sober and making amends, people were like, we do, we do. So apparently I wasn't hiding it that well, but that was a behavior that I had learned in my, in my childhood was, you know, as a straight A student and half the time we were homeless or didn't have food at home or domestic violence and drugs were in the home and nobody, nobody knew. So that was just kind of like the behavior that I had. And when in 2012, I realized that me my sobriety completely depended on how honest I was going to be about mm. my life. And that's when I had my conversation with God about my sexuality. I mm. had married a man, a couple of them had a few children. And then I had like a five, six year relationship with a woman mm. and none of them worked out. So then I was just like, and I was thirsty, hungry to date. Um, I was one of those like serial <laughs> relationship <laughs> people and not very discerning. So I was like, okay, God. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Because <laughs> uh, well, it's always in hindsight. You're like, what was I thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I asked God, like, which, what is my gender pull? And God's response was, your heart only knows love, not gender. Yes. Okay, but that sorry. Was like the yeah, worst okay, sorry. That makes sense to me. <laughs> but that was like the worst answer. I'm like, so the whole world is great. That really narrows it down. Thanks. <laughs> so, you know, it works out though, because I have found, you know, obviously my love that's lasted a lifetime, but even the partnership I was in before my now husband, they were both trans folks. And I don't think I would, without that idea of romance being undefined without me defining it. And I've never been one to seek labels, but again, like it was more about like which gender pool am I fishing in? And God was like, your heart only knows love, not gender. I'm just like, where, where do I look then? But for the, <laughs> I don't know. So for like, if I go to set up a profile on a dating app, what am I choosing? <laughs> I didn't do that even. So when the first person that I dated that ended up going through their transgender journey in the midst of our relationship, they showed up in the relationship as a woman and ended up um, transitioning to male. And I kind of had a whole moment, like, does this change who I am? And it always came back to that home base. Your heart only knows love, not gender. And then I was like, oh, well, then I don't have an issue with this. Like, it was really that that simple um, yeah. for me. So I ran around for years calling myself bisexual because I didn't realize there was another one. I think I said it to my husband one day. I was like, honey, I think there's another term out there for... What is it? I, I don't even know. Pansexual. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> I, I, I kind of was a baby dyke way before all this. Okay, so like okay. I didn't... <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know the terms we didn't have them really. Whatever I'm doing, like I have this term or phrase, I'm always like, I'm just doing me, yo. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That was, that was me. I'm <laughs> just doing me. But it's just interesting how, so I was going through that dark night of the soul and I was answering, like really asking God to help me answer some really deep um, questions about myself, you know, my sobriety and my identity. And I just woke up to this voice one day that was just repeating and repeating these lyrics. And I used to write short stories. I used to write poetry. And this particular day, it was in August, 2012, I got felt like the nudge to get a notepad. And what started off as like, it almost seemed like a hook to lyrics turned into eight pages of, oh, wow. of notes once I finally sat down. And I was just like, what is this? <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was um, felt guided to go to the to the library, and I had one of those books fall off the shelves kind of moment, and it was called Angel Speak by Trudy Griswold. It's a really small book, hundred and something pages. By chapter three, I was realizing that the conversation I was having was with my guardian angel, Hope. You know, she and the ascended masters and the divine have been teaching me ever since, and the majority of what I share. They don't nudge me to subscribe to other healers. I don't follow other channels. I don't, I, I'm rarely investing in other coaches. I go, I would say about 90% divine instruction. Well, that's what I love about you and your coaching program is that it's like be your own guru. Like um, the last thing that I would ever want would be somebody to think that I was their guru or um, that there was answers outside of them. Talk about how, what, what'd you say? We're so fallible. I know, right? It's so much pressure and it's so confusing. And how would I know what they possibly need? I just help people move out what isn't theirs. That is clearly not theirs, but it's not serving them. Um, And then they find out from there what it is that they want or need or their own guidance, you know, and their own purpose. People are like, tell me my purpose. I'm like, not going to do it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was doing psychic readings for a while. Yeah. And literally one of the hottest topics and the recipe to receiving that answer is to actually develop your own angelic or divine communication because your A-team will guide you through the process of unveiling the highest and best opportunities and options for your soul in this lifetime on earth. I love teaching so you're people saying, how to do that. Yeah, so you're saying teaching people how to connect with their A-team and then they will tell them, these are your options. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. and I've worked with you, so I know what you're talking about <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, the only other tool that I can use to help people is I do numerology profiles. And oh, I didn't of, know that. Yeah, I love doing, well, because I, I was a skeptic to a lot of this stuff and the numerology is science-based. So when I do a numerology profile on people, it tells me like what their strengths, talents, and capabilities are, what they'd be good at, what what's in their heart, what they fantasize about. There's a lot that comes through in a numerology profile. So I'm just going to give you like real quick tour through that. If somebody is undecided about their life purpose and the numbers show me that in this lifetime on earth, they would be really great as a teacher or performing some form of teaching, that's all I'm getting in a numerology profile. And a lot of people's interpretation about what teaching looks like, I mean, it could be anything from a blogger to a movie director to, you to know. To a podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> so in some ways, is that is that the like, you know, big envelope, big reveal, or or is it just a, another field of opportunity to play in? So it's interesting to do the numerology profiles. I like pairing them up for people with the sense that they should invest in me to teach them how to do divine communication or learn how to do it on their own. Because I, you, I think you never have to ask this, what is my purpose thing again? Right, You're right, always, right. Always in step to it. I totally agree. Yesterday, I was like thinking about how I was a teacher in New York City and teaching science and mm-hmm. so uh, left brain. And then here I am, at, you know, considering myself a teacher. I mean, I, obviously, I was connected to the quantum field and what we were going to wind up talking to. And mm-hmm. that's why it was occurring to me. But um, I'm like, wow, I'm here. I am a podcaster. I still am teaching. 
in just a very different way. I mean, this didn't even exist back in 2002, right? Right. Podcast. I mean, I'd be surprised if they were. I definitely hadn't heard of it and most people wouldn't have. So like there was no way for me to even choose it at the time, right? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known. And and if, let's say a psychic said, you're going to be a podcaster, I'd be like, what the hell is that? Yeah. (laughs) Back then. But if you keep staying true to your heart and you keep following the path and you keep doing what feels good, eventually it gets revealed. Yeah. So I, I stopped telling people like what was coming because I realized there's so many possibilities and, and really truly they can choose, they have, they have choice and they can choose out of those um, specific realities if they want. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's best to always just have your own connection and then you can check in whenever you need to. Right. Yeah. And you know, something that Archangel Michael said to me, so, you know, for years I was doing readings, I've, I've been guided to take them off the table just so you know, but Archangel Michael has said through me over and over and over to my clients also that if you feel that your sole purpose is to share something of value to a wider audience, that the best way to attain that wider audience and larger platform is to be as authentic about your story, about who you are, about why you're delivering, what it is you're delivering to the world. And he suggested that that's what kind of syncs us up to our highest potential in this lifetime is that authenticity thing and that it matters and it sends its own like beacon and frequency out where people are drawn to it. And not only that, but the divine will actually push people into your sphere, knowing that you're coming from a very real, genuine and authentic space. So there was a lot of people, um, cause this authenticity switch happened right around, I think like 2015, 16, where we were transitioning out of like the information and more into the transformation phase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so this is when everyone's really being called and activated, asked to be like more authentic, like walk your talk, be mm-hmm. your embody your teachings, be your story. And it's so amazing. I don't know if you pay attention to the marketing, but that's all that they've been saying for the last three, four years. Who is it? Marketing experts will oh, yeah. be like, be authentic, like yeah. sit, tell your story. Like there's like a hundred people that are out there teaching that. Yeah. Um, I, I just am familiar. I haven't taken their courses, but I know that that's what they're saying. And what I've seen happen, because, you know, my husband and I have been in this online and coaching industry for years now. Unfortunately, we've seen the people that aren't able to maintain that. They've kind of fallen out of the sky and looking for, and looking for other work because they've just not been able to open themselves up to being that vulnerable. Right. That authentic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but you know what is interesting? I love that we're talking about this because that is, <laughs> that is the point of the podcast is really for people to reveal their stories and as well mine. And, and right. for so many years, I have been afraid to say, I'm a healer. I'm psychic. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a medium. I can talk mm-hmm. to dead people. I can tell you what programs you're running. Like it's weird. It's <clears throat> sorry. Here. Yeah. I'm clearing my, my fifth <laughs> chakra. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. But it hurt to keep that a secret. It literally was so hard on me to know the things that were happening in the healings, know what I knew, and not sharing it to a wider audience, knowing that I was supposed to be doing that, but I only not doing it because I was scared of what, Mm. you know, friends I might lose or um, what people might think or 
you know, cause there's haters out there, right. They're going right. to say stuff and I got to just be okay with that. Right. So I started reflecting on it when I started doing this podcast, I'm like, geez, again, another level of like authenticity and reveal. Like, yeah. and then I just really settled into the fact that I really believe that the sole purpose of being on this earth is to be as authentic as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. And by that, it's like following just what your heart wants to do little by little right. by little, which then turns into a whole lot. Yeah. But I feel like when I came out the first time, you know, back mm-hmm. in, I don't even know why, I guess it was like 2002 or something like that. You know, that was my first like, okay, you're going to have to deal with what people think of you and you may lose some relationships. And it turns out I didn't really lose relationships, right. which was really awesome. And it really was a positive experience for me. And I really feel for the people that it's not a positive experience. Mm-hmm. In fact, actually my siblings, some of them were angry with me because I didn't tell them. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, no, I was trying to save you from having to handle this. Like, you know, and then um, they were like, we would have loved to have been there for you while you were trying to handle it. And I was like, wow, that's a different perspective. I, mm. It like slapped me across the face. I was not expecting it. And then again, you know, when I became a healer, I told um, my partner, Fenella, I'm like, I think I can heal with my hands. And I like looked around the room, like to make sure nobody could hear. <laughs> and then she was like, oh yeah, there's classes down the street. I'm like, what? There's other people like me, you thing? know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then I started getting the information and, um, and I was like, this is really crazy and weird. And so then I started doing healings and I started seeing the results and I didn't have to actually advertise, thankfully, you know, other people were advertising for me. So I wasn't really going out and saying, you know, so it's just like each time there was a different level of like, okay, this is who I am. I put out a course, you know, and then, Mm -hmm. um, I got, I joined this like very large group of people who are healers on the planet, you know, that are Mm -hmm. doctors and things like that. And that was like another step. So I'm like, I'm getting pretty good at coming out of the closet about all this stuff. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to blow the lid and just be like, boom, this is who I am. This is what I've experienced. This is what I know to be transformation. This is how we do it. This is the people that I listen to. These are the people that I speak to and get help from, you know, and if it works for you, great. But like, this is, this is my light. Like I'm not dimming it anymore. Mm. Well, I appreciate you sharing that and stepping through. I mean, if you didn't do that, you wouldn't be here. So it's exciting. I think it's exciting that we're held, you know, we're through such a period of time where it's okay. Like, it's okay. It may not be okay for everybody, but then I really relax into people, like giving people their own time and space to work through whatever. Uh, So I don't ever really shut the door on anyone. Um, It's just not, it's not right now for them to reach that level of understanding about something. But then there's other people, I'm sure you get this too, where they reach out and they're like, you've inspired me because you're doing this. I feel brave or courageous or it's okay for me to do that, you know, whatever, whatever that thing is. So, you know, I've had moments in my um, development where like I put a post out today, it's the one year anniversary of my first conversation with God. And I kept that a secret. Yeah, today. Oh, wow. That's so crazy. Seven years ago today. Yeah. So awesome. And it's funny because remember how I told you, like I started channeling and so me talking to my guardian angels was like step one, my guardian angel and my, my team. And they literally coached me. And then my conversations with God my aunt, that same woo-woo aunt, I'm now the woo-wooest one in the family, but <laughs> at the time she was the woo-woo one, uh, only one. And so- Did she, she use like essential oils or something? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just she worked at a health food store and she could see dead people. There's a few things she could do. Oh, and so, so we weren't yeah. to discuss it at family gatherings. So I, oh we would God. be in some secret meeting on the back porch or something. So 
she was the one that told me I should try meditation because I used to be a ball of stress and I thought it had to be like that perfect pose and posture. So she was the one that kind of like influenced me. She handed me the Neil Donald Walsh book, Conversations with God. Got it right there. (laughs) Yeah. So I got to page 10. This is, I'm going to tell you a real deal about me. So I got to page 10 and I was pissed because I had a lot of conversations I'd like to have with God about things that matter to me. So I needed like answers. And so I got mad that God would choose like Neil Donald Walsh and not someone like me. So I was pissed. I'm like, if you could talk to him, why don't you talk to me? And sure enough, it was within minutes. And the first conversation was like this great, big, booming voice outside of me, in front of me that literally like rattled my cage per se. And he was like, I've tried to talk to you. You always thought you were speaking to yourself. And I was like, wait a minute, did that just happen? And I was told to go get a notepad. So I have journals and journals. And I wanted to know the situation with my my parents. They met in a drug deal. They didn't stay together for past my first birthday. My father is a leader of a clan, my biological father. I met him through glass in prison when I was 14 years old, where he was in Atlanta for a hate crime. So like, he's never been in my life. I lied to everybody in elementary and told him my dad was like some superhero in a secret service. Cause <laughs> I, I wanted awesome. somebody like that. Well, it wasn't even remotely true. I didn't know where he was. I didn't know who he was. I was 14 before I kind of put all that together. And I was just like, you, they, you cannot be a parent for me. Like you literally cannot, you're not, you're not my hero. Maybe somebody's hero someday, but not mine, not for me. So, and then, and then my mom was in and out of prisons and prostitution. So it was a mess. So I wanted like real answers. Like, what is this? Yeah. And so God came up with some decent responses. So we went through this. We, we decided to make this happen where um, the divine and I basically co-create life together. And we kind of modified even all my systems so that we're kind of one one unit per se. I mean, I still have my meltdowns. I still cry in the shower when things don't go my way. I still experience life and disappointment like everybody else, but they pick me right up off the floor and give me new mindsets, new behaviors. There's two, I have no vicious chatter in the background. It's always positive. It's always inspirational. And I have really amazing like reflection time. So even my um, support to people is spirit guided. So I oftentimes don't, don't always know what we're going to talk about on a coaching call or if somebody invests in me. Um, I have to basically design uh, what the mentorship package is going to look like because the divine tells me what this person needs and what I can bring to the table. And so it's different. That level of support is different for every single person. And the divine kind of showed me how to show up and have those conversations with people to really support them. And, uh, you know, the divine knows what questions to ask. And the divine knows how to respond to those questions. Yeah. You know, like I said, I've got notepads and journals. This stuff comes to me like an hour before a mentorship call where where the person across the screen and, and I will, will go over this stuff. And it's just, it, to me, it's phenomenal. I learn from every single client. I go through huge phases of growth with, mm. with every single exchange. I'm sure you do that too. Oh yeah. <laughs> you have clients that need the support that you actually. Yeah. Yeah. That you can't yeah. see that you need that you've asked for help for, but you just can't see how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty amazing. So it's like you get it's a huge twice. mirror. <laughs> <laughs> you get no escaping. 
<laughs> no, right? So, and then the answers will show up when you need, you know, when you're like, what is this about? And I think it becomes, you know, really clear and really obvious. So Neil Donald Walsh is out there, but my belief is that anyone can do this with time and, and dedication and interest. I think that we all have the capability to tap in and get the presence, get God on the phone and ask the really hard and important question, whether it's about, you know, sexuality, gender, career, life purpose, romance, like all of it. Yeah. It's interesting how we were talking about you can want to work through something like up here in the brain. You're like, okay, so I see that I'm not getting the job that I want, right. um, you know, and they could even hire you. And then you or me, our goal mm. is to tell them the truth, right? right? And stay in authenticity and the guidance. And then some people sometimes don't want to receive that, right? Right. <laughs> so we're, we're stuck there delivering the message and saying, okay, this is what I'm seeing that is your next step. And it's up to the person. Like we can't force anybody to do anything, right? And that is right. the hardest part. So like with your son, you you showed like, I feel like that was like the ultimate test of just holding space and being like, yeah. I love you no matter what you choose. I will stay with you while you struggle until you're not struggling anymore and mm -hmm. whatever that looks like. And it's hard because some people are like, I want to change. And then you're like, but you're not doing the work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's okay, but you but sometimes people need to be, you know, sat with and held and, and know that they're going to be okay until they're, they just make this, the decision to change themselves. I agree with you. And, you know, Riley and I joined forces. My husband is a neuroscience expert guy, um, mindset coach. And um, when we met, we created a course that teaches people how to end their self-sabotage. Nobody wants to buy that course. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> it's so funny. I was just listening to Russell Brand. Um, he was talking Nobody about self <laughs> self sabotage. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. When I, of when I not. in my VIP packages, it's one of the main ingredients that Source would like to see in there. You know how many people buy that? <laughs> self sabotage but is so hard because it's, it's huge. Yeah, it'll whack you anytime. Like it's, it's like that thing that just comes up. Yeah, it's completely the embodiment, the presence of all your fears trying to protect you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's your shadow or whatever. So to me, you don't get to experience the greatest life possible until you're willing to dance with your fears, to go go a few rounds with your right. self-sabotage because that's what's writing the script. That's your programming. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and so when people come Wait, to wait, wait. Me, let's slow down on that. Slow like, that down? Yeah, because you just refer to it as script and that's what I call it too, like rewriting the script. So like what we're talking about is the programs that we have. So most of your brain is running off of these subconscious programmings mm -hmm. that you picked up from the ages of zero to seven. Mm -hmm. So you're not even really aware of what you're mm -hmm. running and you wind up running them 80 to 90% of the time. Isn't that correct? Yeah, and I'm going to okay. actually invite you or ask you to allow me to explore that further because of the work that I do. This could be from this lifetime or any other. Right. So exactly. I also totally. deal with trauma and residue <laughs> from previous lifetimes for yes, people. absolutely. So they'll have traumas that make no sense for this lifetime. Right. Like they were in the Holocaust or they, their parents um, had a business. This is one of the episodes that people listen to. Okay. Um, somebody's grandfather had a business and mm -hmm. it was a passion project. And then he got really sick because he overworked himself. So following your passion actually equaled sickness. So right. like that was a program that she did not want to have. And we had mm -hmm. to rewrite it and we had to release that information. And thankfully he showed up, um, the grandfather to tell us about that. 
So we were able to rewrite the programs, but yeah, so you can have this trauma, like, and it can be from science. Like, so from science, they think it could be as many as 70 generations, probably even more. It doesn't even matter because they've seen it in animals like that reproduce. They'll have this maladaptive behavior, but they keep it because at one time it was very useful. You know, Mm. I've worked with people um, around the Holocaust who followed their intuition and it was good for them or heard their intuition and didn't. And then they had to sort that out, you know? Um, So it can definitely play into this lifetime. So anyway, that creates these programs that are um, embedded in your, your brain, but also in your energy field. Um, I, I believe also in your DNA. So like we can, talk to our DNA and rewrite our script mm-hmm. in that way. And yeah, see, Ty and I probably were born from the same <laughs> angel or something like that. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so we, we can rewrite this script. And you were saying um, about that script. So I want you to continue if you remember. So your process, because um, I've seen some of your amazing work, you kind of have them tap it out in one in some sense, and then kind of tap a new one in. Right. And, essentially. Yeah, essentially. And I I know this stuff works because it's actually one of the few modalities that um, the divine has pushed me to utilize. I've never been trained, but the way the divine approaches it was with me is that we kind of use almost like an energetic sponge and we're able to kind of wipe or erase some of this out. And then through an energetic transfer source can basically like download a new software pack. And so that's what a lot of my work involves is, is helping people with this. But the reason why people still need to like buy the program or do even the self-study version that I talk about of our KO self-sabotage course is because your brain, the one that's showing up every day and, and occupying this body and making these decisions, the brain needs to understand the why. You're just not going to get rid of the brain's need to understand the compass and be able to read it correctly. And so having that like homework and is the integration for the new stuff. So to me, that's how you show up courageous and authentic and being um, what you're truly meant to be because you have to be able to recognize your own self-sabotage. No, you're thinking, hey, I see you, you know, what are you concerned about? What are you afraid of? we can work with this. And for some people, that's an inner child version that they're working with. Some people, it's like a, a version of them that was harmed in a previous relationship. Mm. Um, and, and I'm going to go out on a big limb. I've even seen people who maybe were wealthy tycoons in a previous lifetime that abused a lot of people. Yep. And at this lifetime, they will literally sabotage every wealthy avenue or opportunity that comes to them. And they have no idea why. But the subconscious is telling them it's not safe. Money is not safe in our hands. We cannot be trusted with wealth. And so on an outsider's perspective, this is why I stopped kind of doing readings because I, I really want to get in there and, and help with the transformation than just being on the sidelines like, hey, you need to make a left. You're really sabotaging yourself. <laughs> um, I could, you know, you could, you could knock that out if you wanted to. And so the support that I offer is, is a lot more transformational and a lot more involved because this stuff's embedded and it'll, right. it'll go on right in the script for a lifetime. Right. You'll just act from your trauma. What a trauma you experience in this lifetime or trauma, maybe from other lifetimes and it won't look the way that you want. And, you know, we were talking about being authentic yeah. and um, if you ha- are acting from trauma, you're not acting from authenticity because it's really not you. It's just your experiences. So that's why when we move out that trauma, mm-hmm. I see the golden light of truth nice. comes into the person and fills them up and they become 
their essence and then they mm-hmm. can act from there. And that's why it's so cool. Like they literally start living authentically. Exactly. So one of the things that I wanted to say is like, so Ty has a program. I have a program, you know, lots of people who mm-hmm. are going to be on the show have programs. The reason why we do it is because we stumbled through this, right? Like, so yeah. you had a son who just showed up talking to angels and, you know, other things. And mm-hmm. we learned the hard way. I, I mean, I've had mishaps and things like that in the past. And you don't, <laughs> you don't want to be in those places like where you were when your son was talking to something that you couldn't see, right? right? Or when I had a spirit come and visit me and blew out the light bulbs in my house, um, wow. you know, over my bed. Yeah, that was, yeah. you know, you got to learn boundaries with them. And so you got to set up protocols and things like that. So that's all I'm going to say is like, you know, you can always do this by yourself like we did. I'm pretty much, I'm assuming you did, you know, you go off of your intuition and I go off mine and, but it's so much more helpful when you can listen to a podcast and hear other people who've stumbled through. So you don't have to learn those things. Like my dad, you know, I learned this from a young age. My dad always got in a taxi cab and would start talking to the taxi cab driver and asking them their story and like why they were doing the thing they, they were doing. Like, you know, just where are you from? You know, what do you, what's life like for you? Mm-hmm. And, and I always got to listen and it was kind of like, I always said the shortcut, you know, yeah. I feel like we offer shortcuts, you know, mm-hmm. in places that we didn't have, we're showing up for ourselves, I guess. I get, ultimately we're trying to heal ourselves from back then right, <laughs> by offering right. the things that we didn't have. And, you know, I believe that there's always a path, but it can look differently for everybody. Definitely. And I, I'll share one of the things that has really um, been something that I've reflected on in my own journey. So like when the divine was showing me that I was an empath and the divine was telling me that I'm also a medium and I didn't realize any of this stuff. And a lot of times I was like, where, what are you talking about? I don't see what you mean. And then they would validate it consistently. Um, (laughs) They don't give up that I will say. (laughs) I came to see what they were describing. I think that what I, what I reflected on and have reflected on so much over the years is I like had established a certain definition or certain rules around things like even the word medium, my frame of reference in my mind for a medium was like from television shows So the one that I remember was um, one lady doing like investigations, Alison Dubois from like the, I think it was actually called Medium. So like that was that one. And then we all know the other lady. Long Island Medium. Yeah. Yeah. Who's just walking down the street and going into a restaurant and reading people, which is so now I realize unethical and boundaries and issues. So anyway, so um, (laughs) I appreciate these women putting awareness out there. But what I learned was I get to define mediumship how I want to. And so when my team says you have mediumship capabilities or you're a medium, it doesn't have to look like either one of those television shows. Um, And as a matter of fact, even me being a divine channel or conduit is a level it falls under the descriptor of me being a messenger for the angels falls under the description of a medium. And I don't communicate for the deceased anymore, but I will hold space for them and help them cross over if they're earthbound. And I've done this. I enjoy it immensely. I've done this in Savannah. There was a lot of healing. Oh God. I did to happen there. (laughs) Been Uh, there. Saw that. Yeah. That's it's creepy, man. 
Savannah. Um, I literally opened several portals of light in that city for souls to cross over. And they actually, Archangel Michael actually had me plant crystals in the earth there. And St. Augustine's another one. So yep. I get sent to really um, big ancient cities with a lot of earthbound activities. So that's not a good time for me. So, you know, you see those paranormal shows where they're like investigating and kicking up God, I, don't I think want they're to like with... instigating. Um, <laughs> yeah, instigating is a good way instead of I investigating. I'm not interested. I'm not no, interested in doing that. But I do help my friends occasionally. Like I help people clear houses. Because to me, you having an energetically uplifting, inspirational space is like very important to me. So I think the way that I, I decide how I want to use my mediumship ability. Hmm. So even in my coaching with people, when I'm teaching them how to tune into the divine because it really is two different connections. We actually close the door on mediumship if they are mediums for a while just to clear the room and so they can get really clear in their vessel who and what they're talking to and what that feels cool. like. Yeah. So anyway, I started that conversation about us being able to define what a healer is or us being able to define sure. what mediumship is and, and where we want to go with it. And I, I think that's really, really powerful too. Yeah. It wasn't until I started this podcast and I was like, how am I going to explain the podcast mm -hmm. that I was like, wow, I haven't told anybody publicly that I'm a psychic, a medium, a healer because yeah. of the, the connotations that come with sure. it. And, um, and basically I defined it myself. It's basically to me, it's all energy. And, and if my intent is to heal, right. I, I will access the things that I need to access in order to help the person to heal, to, mm -hmm. to bring about awareness. So like I said, you know, the woman's grandfather came in and told me about the program and a little bit about the trauma so I could explain it to her. And then he said, thank you very much. And then the grandmother came in and said, but she has my spirit and that's, and it was a good thing. So, wow. you know, um, that was very healing for her to be able to both connect with them, obviously through me, but to move out those programs more, mm. more, more importantly, really. Yeah. And, and I don't always know about the programs from men or grandfathers coming in, but I can just sense where, where the program came from and we can rewrite it. Like you don't yeah. have to actually communicate to the person who's deceased. Like you can just say, uh, maybe we, we could talk about how we get our information. It's kind of fun, right? We yeah, all have sure. our own protocol, right? Like right. I, I will see if it's um, part of the father side, it'll mm. go to the left. If it's the mother, it'll go to the right. And then I can figure out, okay, so then who from there is this coming from? Mm -hmm. So then I ask questions further, but do you have any kind of system that you, that you've developed? So with every client, it's different. And that's, I think that's one of the savory things of being spirit guided is spirit knows what they're going to understand. And so it flows, the conversation always, I don't typically have to do a lot of education and tutorial around it because it gets adapted for each listener. But for the most part, chakras are typically involved and then mindset, behavior and past lives. It's kind Sounds of like, a lot like what I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, then, we, work, we work in very different ways, but it's the same energy and information, right? Yeah. And then the divine messengers for me are usually like ascended masters or archangels that would pair well with either the person, the issue, the trauma, whatever. Because to me, though, I have gotten to know those messengers so well. They each kind of have their own qualifications or expertise areas. Oh, so cool. even knowing that um, Mother Mary would show up for somebody usually means to me already that she's helping them in a maternal way with, you know, 
it could be anything from fertility to mother Mary's pretty powerful though. She's really good at also like activating women into their power. You wouldn't always expect that, but she hmm. and Mary Magdalene are really fascinating. Ma- Mary Magdalene's more on the like esoteric powerful side, but um, mother Mary, she's like, she stands very strong. And matter of fact, she was the one that came to me and I was doing a whole group some people might call it a seance, but it's like, I call it a spirit circle. Um, I was doing a whole group event and she was the one that came through talking about the authenticity and the, and the year that it switched. And those that do not become the light, like we each were given a light. Um, and she was in the meditation. She showed us how to put it within us and said that those of us that are not able to embody it won't be carried on this next wave. Not that they're going to die, but they're just going to be looking, you know, their, their jobs or their purpose is going to look a little different. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to stay afloat. You're going to be doing so much work on yourself or you're going to choose to opt out in a different profession or, or career, but the energy was going in that direction. So yeah, it's so palpable and noticeable. I actually, I wanted to tell you, so recently I was at a Sarah McLaughlin concert and I saw, I I know, right. She's just amazing. So anyway, you'll be interested to listen to that episode because there was two very large angels and Oh my gosh, what an experience. It was life-changing for me. And she gives such a good concert too. She really does every single time. I mean, I, she's, I saw her at Red Rocks also two oh, years nice. ago and it nice. was like an angel just singing through the rock. It was just amazing. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you because you, you, you get it. I do. <laughs> I mean, I was just a ball of tears. Like it, it, it could, because the, um, the vibration from angels is so high. Um, and so loving and so healing that it just shook loose some things in me that I was just like, oh my gosh. And everybody else who was in the audience was getting it. And I almost wanted to be like your husband and be like, okay, so can I talk to you after the- <laughs> this? Like, okay, so what kind of emotions did you feel prior to and what do you feel now? <laughs> um, but I couldn't, but I went with a bunch of girls or women, I should say. And, um, and I, it was one friend out of that group that I was like, I sent her an email right away and I was like, oh my God, did you experience what I experienced? And she was like, totally saw that angel. Um, but I, she, yeah, it was really cool. And she's like, everybody did get a healing. She's like, you could tell. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 My team calls it like uh, the pop. So they've had me do some different things, even for myself to do some shifting this year. And they've told me even like on the monthly um, I do these holy shift calls. It's like once a month for my um, spirit tribe. And I love s- that you call it that because it, sometimes when you shift, it is like holy shit. <laughs> it's yeah. it's really just a holy shift. <laughs> Riley actually named that. That's funny. Um, and I, I I used to call them spiritual support calls. He was like, no, honey. <laughs> yeah. No, no, these are way yeah. bigger than that. Yeah. So I'm able to just activate people by them listening to the recordings and people, I was told people were going to experience like a like a pop um, to, to some of that. So that's what they were telling me when you were explaining the audience to the concert that there was the, Yep. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. One lady stood up or actually probably, I think maybe it was like three stood up after I was having that emotional Mm. like breakdown. Mm -hmm. And I totally anticipated the entire audience standing up and like, just like in this applause and other people didn't. And I was still crying and I was still like, wait, confused about like everything that was going on. And she continued the show and I'm like, but you don't understand what just happened. (laughs) I'm like, she does know. I'm like, I got to find her. But I didn't, (laughs) you know, because then we all had to get together afterwards. But you know, that's it, so awesome. Yeah. It, it, and I'm sure that's what it was happening was that pop, 
and what was really cool was so the audience you know was in a, a stadium seating mm-hmm. and the reflection to the opposite side was all the angels that protect them wow yeah so and it was of the in the arms of an angel was the song yeah. and they kept being like that's our song like <laughs> it was so cute it was like we know we know like that she wrote that for us and like it, it was so cute anyway oh i wish i could have been there that sounds amazing it was it was really transformational so the divine spoke to me i think it was like december and i don't know if you were you know you've heard me talk about it i was part of like the wake up call that happened or that wave of awakening that happened in 2012. I received a similar message recently, December, this recent December, that we're about to have another huge spiritual awakening. And last time around, it was a lot of people opening up to their intuition, their guidance, but the majority of the crowd were were empaths that were kind of coming online to their sensitivities, because that's kind of phase one for a lot of people. And so this 2020 spell, um, God said, we're rolling all that into intuition and then guidance with the A-teams is kind of this next wave. Hmm. So how does that look to you or how did it feel? Like what, what, what does that really mean? I think people talking about the sensations that they have in their body is going to be highly trending because you know, your body is an instrument for totally. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it's sending you signals of information all the time. And this is, I've been enjoying the workshop that I'm offering here in St. Pete, because I'm really just bringing it back to that simplest, uh, you know, intuition doesn't have to be all this airy fairy out there. It's literally signals that you're receiving in your body and you learning the language to interpret it, interpret mm. those messages. So whether it's, you know, goosebumps, hair raising, shivers, you know, or that gut tightening or, you know, just a certainness in your heart. Some people it's a tightness in their throat, whatever. Um, just exploring that. But the guidance that I was given is that people are going to be experiencing this more, um, be having more like prophetic dreams, but intuition is going to be a huge, huge, huge theme and conversation 2021 where people are going to be wanting to explore it a lot more and being less, less afraid and just more curious. What does that mean? What does it look like? And a lot of us, one of the big conversations I like having in my workshop is how, because all of us receive insight and information differently, I may hear it, you may see it, someone else may sense it, someone else may feel it, that we start to understand and appreciate everybody's different language around it. It's kind of all the same thing. It's just we field our data differently Mm -hmm. and process it and interpret it. And feel comfortable with it differently. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, we've been, we've had an epidemic of like dulling symptoms. And mm-hmm. I think that um, it's starting to come to a head where it's like, you can't silence the symptoms. Like they, they will come out in a different way and mm-hmm. it will look uglier. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've definitely obviously felt this huge shift and I do feel like this podcast is a part of it and what you're doing yeah. is a part of it, which is why yes. I have you on it because we are people who are out there helping to, to support this change, you know, cause mm-hmm. it's not easy when you start really tuning in and paying attention to your body, it can really hurt. And a lot right. of us, you know, spend time checked out, right? Like you were, you mm-hmm. were doing drugs and alcohol, you know, mm-hmm. we all have our things that we do to check out because it can be too much, especially right. if we don't have tools. And like you said, you were a ball of stress and I was a ball of stress and, yeah. you know, I almost committed suicide because I couldn't mm-hmm. handle it. Yeah. And, um, and thankfully I found meditation and little by little I cleaned up my thoughts and my body and 
got back on track. And then that's when everything started opening up in a way that I just wasn't expecting. <laughs> Being a yeah. science teacher, it was the last thing really I was yeah. expecting. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of just wanted to get healthy. That was really, I was like Operation Save Amy and, and it worked. <laughs> I hear you. I think for me, intuition ended my indecision. Yeah. I mean, you know what's right and what's not, right? You're laying there, you know, and you're thinking about it or sitting there thinking about it and you're like, I know what I'm supposed to do. Like if you get yeah. out of your own way, that's what I wanted to say when you were talking about um, self-sabotage. Self-sabotage. <laughs> yeah. Right. When you're talking about self-sabotage, it's uh, for me because I've done so much meditation and mm-hmm. thought thinking. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to like thinking about my yeah, thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I almost flip outside of my body and I look at myself and I, and I hold the space. I can see that I'm doing that. Like I'm holding the space being like, okay, you have a choice here. You know, you could either step mm. forward in the fear and the programs, or you can change the programs. You know how to do that. It's your choice. Like, are yeah. you up for it? Honestly, not everybody's always up for it. I'm not always up for it. Like, I'm like, no, that program's working fine right now. Like, I don't feel yeah. like changing that. Like, I don't feel like making the decision or doing the work. Um, and that's okay. I mean, most of the time I do make that choice and I often um, make too many choices too fast and then I move too fast and then I go into a growth period. But, you know, I, you can do it however you want. Like you can have that moment where you look at your thinking. And that's what I was saying. Russell Brand had um, released something on self-sabotage and, and how important thinking about your thinking is and yeah. recognizing that that's not real. Like that is your choice to either keep it or, or change it. And honestly, what you're describing which is wonderful that you're able to do that, but you would have to be somebody that is really capable of being a wonderful mom and a teacher to yourself. Right. That's a good point. I mean, you basically put yourself in the position that I did with my son when he was going through his thing. It's like, you know, what do you want to choose? I'm here to support you. You could do this, you could do that. And so I think for a lot of the beautiful beings that we are involved with, I think a lot of times there's so much trauma there that they're not quite ready to pivot outside of themselves and kind of look at it. So I think sometimes you and I probably run interference to say, Hey, this is what I see. This is what I'm looking at. You know, always our goal, I think is to put the the reins back into their hands, right? Cause we not only offer them the yeah. tools to get them there today, but we're also offering ways or strategies to teach them so they can do this themselves on their own, right? On their own. And I want to, I would love to put myself out of work by everyone, you know, learning how to communicate with their A team or get guidance for themselves. Like I would be super happy to not need to show up for work or the indecision was now confident decisions, you know, I would love <laughs> No, I that. get it. You know, it's interesting because a lot of people don't understand what that's like to really just have so much love for other people and what they're going through mm-hmm. that you're okay with them not needing you, that you're, that you, that's what you want is them to be so totally self-sufficient and be able to handle their things as they come up. And, and that's one of my clients I was speaking with uh, on the podcast and, or former clients, I should say. And she was like, we were not happy, meaning the other, her friends who also saw me that, that you're doing the podcast. And I was like, she's like, I think the right answer I was supposed to say was I'm really happy for you. And she's like, we are, but we're also going to miss you. And she's like, but then we realize that we're ready for, to be out of the nest. Like we're ready mm. to, to be our own nest and make our own life and, and not have somebody reflecting back to us what we need to work on. Like we can do right. it now. We can find that, you know, thing yeah. in us that's not in alignment. Right. And um, she's like, we wouldn't have done it 
you know, you wouldn't have kicked us out if we weren't ready. And so I thought that was really sweet. There is that. But also, I think people, if you reflect back on your journey, if you ever did have a mentor or somebody that was supporting you, if they hadn't let go of the reins or hand them off to you, would you be where you are right now? Would you have found your own way? No. So that's something I'm really passionate about. You know, we have so many... I think it's important to know when it's in our best interest to sign on with somebody for mentorship or healing or coaching or whatever for, for that kind of intervention and support. But I think it's also important to trust that at some point this will come to an end Mm -hmm. and, and it's for your, it's for your highest and best good um, so that you can kind of go on to your next endeavor or your next, whatever you're embodying and becoming next, because you and I are really just, like a pit stop for people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's a good way of life. Yeah. Like, on the 500, <laughs> 500 yeah. laps that they've got to do. <laughs> I'm here That's to, funny. you know, support you, give you a tune up and maybe some tools uh, yeah. to, to get through the next few legs, you know, for the outcome that you desire or wish to see, you know, so I'm going to give you some training and some support, but ultimately the result is, is you modifying, you taking this and, and doing something even bigger, even right. better yeah. or your own thing with it. So I'm grateful to you for not standing in their way and allowing them to carry on with their journey, whatever that next stop's supposed to be. That's exciting. I always tell them, I don't want to be wanted for my whole life, like by you. (laughs) There's too many people to help. Like you're good. You get, you've got the stuff. I need to go help the people who have no clue what to do and show them the the things that they can be doing for themselves. So anyway, it was so great to have you on. You're so wonderful (laughs) and you're such a ball of bright light. You know, I, I love, seeing you and meeting you and I'm so glad our paths crossed I'm Me sure too. vibration <laughs> yeah they say they say that um what is it your vibe attracts your tribe your tribe yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm grateful too. I'm excited to, you were in our Facebook community back in October sharing your, your awesomeness. So, um, yeah, we'll have to hit the replay on that. When, when you tell me this will be ready, I'll remind everyone of the good stuff you were doing too. Awesome. Thank you. All content provided by Amy Stark and her guests on the Ophelia Podcast website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, were created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.